Hello everyone and welcome to the people behind your food. It is 1.33 p.m. Central Standard Time on Tuesday and I am here with my fabulous friend Jeff Buck who I have known for many many years and he is also a restaurant industry veteran and right now he uh, is working in the pizza business. I know we had someone earlier so let uh, as a driver's side so he's a general manager so we'll go ahead and explore from that side and so hey Jeff welcome to the show it's great to have you here. Hey how's it going? Good, good. It's uh, nice and cold and rainy here. It keeps on off snowing. I don't know how that weather in Denver is. It's actually pretty nice today. We're uh, probably sitting about 45 degrees. <laughs> well, you're just rude. <laughs> Loving it. So let's just get straight into it. Uh, you know, time is of the essence. So, so let's get to know you as a person and let's establish your personality from the very beginning. Okay, so ready? You ready for these questions? Let's go. Okay, so what's your favorite movie? Uh, it's a tough one. Uh, tend to stick towards comedy somewhere in the Slapshot Anchorman range. Okay, okay. Favorite TV show? Uh, another tough one. Uh, Got to throw The Simpsons a lot of love, though. Simpsons, Futurama, anything Matt Groening. Okay, okay. What about your favorite music? Uh, big punk rock. Okay. Uh, punk rock all day, every day. <laughs> um, okay, are you a cash guy or are you paying with cards? Like credit cards, debit cards, you carry a big wad of cash around. Um... Personally, I'm pretty impartial. Um, tends to be whatever I have on me. Um, as you said, you know, long-time delivery driver, you always have cash on you. Uh, now, more in a management role, and it's like, I'm not going to the bank to get the cash if I still got the money on my card. <laughs> so, I'm pretty impartial, personally. That makes sense to me. All right, favorite type of ice cream? Um, gonna have to go Rocky Road. Rocky Road, that's a good choice. Uh, what's your favorite food in general? Um, as a general basis standpoint, probably just have to start with potatoes you can go any direction as soon as you start with something like that um always love twice baked potatoes baked potatoes you know nice and easy <laughs> and then uh are you a dog person or a cat person um grew up with dogs currently have a cat animal person in general okay honestly yeah, they're so all great you see so you're just a lover well i'm a big time lover <laughs> and then uh you live in denver now uh so where did you grow up I'm St. Louis boy, uh, you know, born, raised a uh, little bit deeper in St. Louis, moved out to the county as I got older, and well, that's where we met fatefully. Yeah, that is exactly how we met. We grew up together, so, you know, we literally lived right down the street from each other for a while there, That which is pretty crazy. So yeah, fun. let's uh, jump into your experiences in the restaurant business. Um, so tell me what you do and what you've done in the restaurant business. Um... Currently, I feel like uh, the answer as far as what I do is the culmination of all of the things that I've done. Um, you know, starting everywhere from mopping floors, changing trash, all the way up to doing paperwork, everything in between. Okay, so uh, so would you say uh, so you're a re you're a general manager right now at uh, at, a, at a pizza chain, right? Would you call your would you call your chain a, a national chain or a regional chain? How would you explain that? Oh, it's definitely national. Definitely national? It's, uh, yeah. Okay. It's, uh, if you don't have it in your town, you will be soon. <laughs> and then uh, how long have you been working in the restaurant business? The restaurant business alone uh, has been, well, my first job was a fast food job. Uh, first task I ever completed at that job was cleaning the wall behind the chicken fryer. <laughs> uh, age of 16 at a Hardee's. Yeah, that sounds so, pleasant. Uh, let's see, that puts us at a... Uh, 15, 16 years of restaurant experience. Dang, that's that's a long time. Um, 
So tell me why, I mean, like, you know, a lot of people come into the restaurant business and they're like, okay, I'm going to go to college uh, and go do something else. So you've been doing this for 15, 16 years. What, what got you even involved in this line of work to begin with? A big thing that I'd say would, uh, to getting me involved probably be somewhere along the lines of uh, flexibility and work scheduling, mm-hmm. um, especially in being a delivery driver. Um, you know, it's just, it's really easy when you can make the money that you need to make in the, you know, four to six hour shift as compared to having to be there for 10 hours, five hours, you know, five days a week. Um, especially, you know, growing up musician, trying to play shows here and there, you know, it was nice and convenient to be working in a, uh, in a restaurant as a delivery driver. So you, uh, so you, so you really got started in it because you know you needed money, you needed cash, but you needed flexibility so you could do other stuff. And being in the restaurant it, business allowed right. you to do pursue other ap- activities. Was, yeah, pursue what I would really have liked to have been doing rather than delivering pizzas. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so you've been doing it for 15, 16 years. I mean, so what are your thoughts? I mean, has it, you know, has it been good to you? Has it been bad to you? You know, let's explore that for a second. Sure. I I feel like with, you know, any profession that you take on, there's going to be times where it feels super rewarding. And then there's going to be times where it feels like no matter what you do, you just can't get somebody to even say thank you to you for the simplest of things. So, you know, it's it's a tough one. It, it can be rewarding at the same time and just leave you out high and dry the same way. I completely, completely understand that, and I think that uh, a lot of people have said something very similar on the show so far. Uh, so, tell me, what's it like to go from being a delivery driver with basically no responsibilities to being uh, the, the general manager at a pizza place, which is really just, you know, the lord of the flies? Uh, so, like, tell <laughs> tell me about what that was like for you. Um, it's certainly a shock to the system. Um, even just moving up the ladder slowly. You know, it's it could be a little difficult. Um, one thing too is having people that you were at once the same level as that you're now progressing in, and they might still be your friends, but now they're your employees as well. Um, that one of the, to me was one of the hardest things to really get a handle of. Um, however, you know, for the most part if they're trusting that you could move up into that position, you've at least shown some, you know, capabilities and prowess in areas that they're, they think they can utilize Mm -hmm. and any intelligent employer is going to, you know, do what they have. They're going to play their best card in their hand in order to make their business make more money. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree. So it, it can be a huge shock. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it's it's just a learning curve. Sure. And, you know, if, if somebody thinks they should be putting you in that position, it's it's doable. So tell me what it was like for you going from being friends uh, versus turning your friends into your employees. Like, like what, what how was that for you? Did, was that an easy transition for you? Did people respect you? Or, or did you find that people... You know, just naturally, did you find that people naturally respected you and just wanted to listen to what you said? Or did you find that it was a little bit of a coaxing and and relearning yourself in that relationship? I feel very fortunate in the fact that um, I had, you know, when I went through the transition, 
I had seriously just an A plus crew, um, a crew that anybody would be happy to have, and maybe it wouldn't have worked for them the same way as it did for me. However, I didn't have to do any coaxing with the my original staff. They were excited for me. They were like all right behind me saying, let's go, we got this. So it was pretty easy for me in that aspect. Um, you know, just given the fact that they were all good people. Um, That's good. I also, yeah, I was very fortunate in what my first year and a half of being the general manager, I held a 12% turnover rating, which for the food industry is pretty absurd. That's super, um, super low. So yeah, that's another thing that when I say I had a good crew, it, you know, they were right there the entire time. There was no difficulty getting anybody to do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Problems came in, I feel, when new people would come in and the old people were still there to say like, no, he's a good guy. And it's like, well, that doesn't mean you don't need to listen to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm still your boss. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I'm going to take it easy, but we still have stuff to do. Okay, so let's explore that position as the general manager a little bit more. So tell me some of the unique challenges uh, as a general manager of a pizza place. Like, like what did you find, you know, what, what was extremely challenging for you? If you just had to say top two, top three. Uh, the hardest thing, in my opinion, is always getting the labor on the written schedule proper. Um, that alone... It's just difficult to tell, especially at a pizza place, um, when you don't know, are we going to be busy for the Oscars this year? Mm-hmm. Some years you might be, some years it's you know nothing. Um, I've even seen the Super Bowl go the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that the Super Bowl in 2013 or 14? The Broncos played the Seahawks. As soon as the Seahawks scored the first time, being Broncos territory out here, we had no business for the rest of the day. But I had a staff of... 18 people there and it's like well we just screwed the whole thing right there so that was always kind of a uh, that was a hard thing for me getting down because and another aspect is you got all these good people you're trying to get them the hours that are close to what they need so that they keep their job because mm-hmm. I mean that's um, another thing that I'll get to is hiring um, but it's you know you, you want to keep the people that you have that are good and get them their right hours, but you have to fit it all in in a certain way that, you know, keeps it in the business lines. And your, you know, labor is one of the big things that you actually have control of as far as profitability. Right, right. So so, so that was a very difficult thing for me. Um, like I was saying, another thing that I had issues with was uh, hiring. And that is just difficult um, based on... You know, I feel a lot of people going into, you know, make a pizza, they look at it as a fast food job. Mm -hmm. I understand this isn't meant to be a career for everybody. Um, But it it gets kind of difficult when, you know, these kids come in thinking, well, there is no interview. I don't really need to prepare for anything. And then it just becomes hard to figure out who you can trust until you spend some time with them. I feel and hiring people on as managers is one of the most difficult things that I've ever been asked to do. <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest. I think that's a very interesting perspective and I want to kind of explore this a little bit more. So 
So tell me about I, okay. So you talked about kids and how you know they they you know they, they just don't respect what you're doing, right? It, it is a job, right? I understand that like a lot of times people don't see it as a career, but for a lot of people, the restaurant industry is a career and is a valid career choice. Oh yeah. Um, so. Uh, Tell me about your hiring problems. Like, was it, was it, you know, like here in St. Louis, one of the biggest problems is, is, isn't that people can't hire or, you know, like there's not people showing up for work. It's that there's just not enough people willing to work in the restaurant business right now to support the actual restaurant business in St. Louis. Is that the same problem you guys have out in Denver or do you guys have a different problem? Um, well, especially, um, you know, I'm just a bit outside of Denver. Um, it's a pretty affluent suburb, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, part of the issue is finding people that, you know, want the 32 plus hours a week that are not high school kids. Mm, okay. If, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, because, you know, I mean, it's going to a job that's paying slightly more than minimum in an area where the average house is, you know, $400,000. It's pretty difficult to find the right kind of people so you're trying to find people who can commute in correct okay so do you think that that is an issue that could be overcome by paying a higher wage or do you think that that's just there's like almost like a boundary like hey we just don't want to work in this area because it's a more affluent area well um i honestly think that uh you know working for a higher wage specifically for those people that are available for like that time slot that you need I mean because I can you know I can fill up even my busiest of Friday nights with high school kids and college students that are delivery driving you know high school kids making the pizzas inside college students delivering it they're all happy they're all out of there by you know 11 o'clock still have time to go party and you know that's fine the, the problem being is the morning until you get to that point and in my experience you know a successful you know pizza company is going the easiest way to boost your sales is to have big orders for the morning you know it's coming up you know the night before you can prepare for it the night before it's nice and easy but you still need people in the store you literally can't do that as a one-man show you can't put pizzas in the oven and have them coming out and cut them at the same time. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> anybody who's worked in a, you know, pizza restaurant that has a conveyor oven understands that. No, and if you don't have a conveyor oven and you have the brick oven, you have to have somebody literally oh. physically load them and then physically remove them at the I same mean, time. Don't forget about turning them and checking on them throughout. I mean, that's that takes even more people. So... So that's a hot mess yeah. there. <laughs> but I feel, yeah, I've always felt that having, you know, go-to people that could come in and help with those kinds of things and then help bust out prep for the rest of the day, um, those kinds of people should be able to make more. Mm-hmm. And even without a management role, in my opinion. I think um, that seems sensible, especially if you're having trouble and difficulty finding people. You know, at that point, you almost, right. like, if you're like, oh, we just can't even staff this time block, it almost seems like, well, why be even be open for this time block? You know, if you can't right. even get people there because you're not willing to pay people to be there, then what's the point of even doing business at that time? Um, 
So uh, let's talk about how big your staff was at the time. Uh, uh, at how big your staff is at your store? Um, see about eighteen. About eighteen people, including including all uh, you know management staff, everybody. Sure. Okay. So, and you said that basically one of your one of your biggest difficulties was that was finding the right amount of hours to give to everybody and being fair and giving people the work they needed. Um, did you find that having that 18 was just a good number or did you find that that's just kind of where you guys ended up settling out at? Um, a little bit of both. <laughs> uh, a little bit of both, honestly. Okay. Um, because, like I said, with uh, you know, a lot of college students... Um, there's going to be times where they're going to a concert or, you know, going to the school football game, something along those lines. Um, you know, who knows what it is, um, but they wind up asking for a lot of time off. Okay. I probably could have gotten away with a considerable amount less. However, it would have been only, you know, if everybody was looking for a set schedule, if you, you know, something like that. And then, like you said, turnover at your store wasn't very bad. I, I found personally that a lot of times people will do uh, a hiring strategy where you're actually over hiring all the time because you know that people are going to just drop off. And oh, so, yeah. So was that uh, was that something you had to, to like think about or is that just pretty much like a given that like, you know, I'm going to lose 10 percent of my employees every year or how did you handle that? Um, so honestly, I kind of just. I stopped doing that. They were doing that before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they hate me for admitting that, but hey. Um, yeah, so, you know, I I was actually handed the operation um, right after they had nonsensically hired on four additional people that I'm now trying to find 30 hours for each. Sure. And that that's probably, you know, where my whole dislike <laughs> of labor comes from is week one I got to... I got to get under these numbers, but I got to make these four people I don't even know's names yet happy. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, I didn't know their names for no other reason than they got hired two days before I had to make a schedule for them. Sure. So I, I physically didn't know them yet. Um, <laughs> that seems like a good reason to be like, but, oh, I don't know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know me well enough to, to know that that's not my style. Um, but... Yeah, um, so I kind of stopped doing that, though, because for me, a big part of it, I, I just, I'm not a liar. I just don't like telling people that I can do something for them and then turn around and be like, cool, I got a warm body in the door. Now let's just go ahead and drive them back out. Right. Um, I, I'd just rather not do that. It's a waste of my time and energy, the same as it is for them. You know? I, yeah, that's, a, that's actually a really good way of looking at that. So I feel like we've really covered who you are. You know, we know what kind of movies you like. We know what kind of TV shows we like. And we now know about your experience in the restaurant business, which is pretty varied and actually pretty cool. So let's dive into part two of the people behind your food. The investigative journalism part. Why what you do is important. And notice I use my like announcer voice when I oh, do yeah, that. <laughs> uh, so at your business, what exactly does a general manager do? Uh, you name it, everything. Um, goes from operations of being the only person in a store to 
helping have a crew and kind of quarterbacking the whole situation, telling everybody what to be doing, where to be, when to be doing it, uh, that whole lot. Um, you know, it also comes along with uh, a little bit of paperwork. We got some payroll things to do. Obviously, I said scheduling. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it also turns into the literal dirty work um, at times as well. Um, say just, uh, it was probably about four or five months ago now, I uh, learned what a grease trap was the hard way. <laughs> so. Would you like to explain to our non-restaurant oh. industry listeners exactly what a grease trap is and why it needs to be serviced? It needs to be serviced. Uh, this cannot be stressed enough. <laughs> a, so a grease trap, uh, to sum it up, is what every single drain in your restaurant is going to flow through before it goes out. Um, this includes anything that goes into any of the sinks, toilets, and also drains on the floor, and um, as you can guess by the name, grease trap, uh, any of the grease that you know you guys wash off of the floor with degreaser and push into those drains on the floor, that's all going in there. And when one stops working properly, it starts backing up. And, um, well, you'll find out the grease traps are about three feet deep. Does that sound about right? Yep, that's about right. About three feet. Um, yeah, well, in my experience, there was, the grease trap was not properly secured to the floor, which is a big no-no in the first place. Um, yeah, and it, it wasn't draining, so I, all I had to do was lift up this piece of steel and, uh, look into it, and it was just like, this thing's, you know, this thing's messed up, there's no, no figuring this out. Then, upon looking at it a little bit longer, this is where this situation becomes abnormal in and of itself. Um, I found four of the plastic crates that, say, like Pepsi bottles come in. Mm -hmm. I found four of those inside of the grease trap that were supporting the improperly sealed lid. Okay, There was nothing supporting the lid. It was being held up by plastic that was sitting in water and had been for years. And then how and, how old is this restaurant? Is this like a newer restaurant? Is this like 50 um, years old? Or this is, I, I don't know how long exactly the location's been there, but I'd say somewhere in the 10 to 12 years range. Okay, so, so not exactly old enough to like be like, oh, this is an ancient construction method kind of correct, thing. Correct, correct. Yeah, um, it's... As soon as I called the plumber, he knew exactly what was going on, and I was very happy. But up until that point, um, have you ever cleaned out the drains underneath a soda machine that haven't been cleaned in a while? Oh, yeah, they're nasty. They're nasty. Well, that was what was these Pepsi crates. They were covered in that stuff. Oh, that's disgusting. (laughs) So what does um, a general manager do? He cleans (laughs) grease traps. (laughs) He cleans grease traps. And you don't get paid as doing it. And, and I guess, and I bet you don't get paid as well as the uh, as the plumber to do it either. Oh no, of course not. So speaking of that, uh, so as a, as a manager, how as a general manager, how are you compensated? Is it is it hourly? Is it salary? Is there a bonus structure? Tell me about that. Uh, it's salaried. Um, yeah, just standard fifty hour week. Um, 
there is well I've experienced a bonus structure I've also experienced a bonus structure going away um, so it, it kind of you know that that depends company to company I guess but okay. um, in my experience uh, much better with the bonus structure <laughs> um, actually well I mean it gives you incentives to sure. keep moving well yeah and more um, money is better money but, right but yeah, I mean, as far as the whole, you know, salary for fifty is concerned, um, you're lucky to work fifty hours, in my experience. Um, you know, it's uh, it, if you're not at the store, there's you know emails to be answered and all that kind of stuff. Um, my experience, we also have a uh, general manager thread where every Every general manager in the Denver area and um, all of our, you know, just one higher ups um, have a text message thread. Mm-hmm. And that thing starts going off at about seven in the morning and doesn't stop until about two in the morning. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, so, how, so, so let's talk about that, you know, work life balance, which is never a word anyone ever uses in the restaurant industry. But right. I mean, how does that affect you on like your days off? I mean, like this is time that you need to be away from the restaurant to get your bearings back. Um, yeah. How does how yeah. does being in constant communication? Um, how, how does that affect you mentally when you're just trying to relax? Is it constantly stressing you out or how does that work? Uh, some days it doesn't bother me at all. However, most of the time, on a day off, I mean, um, you know, some days on days off, I don't care at all. But most of the time, it's just kind of like, really? Leave me alone. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, like you said, it's it's time to get away from that. It, you know, it's, it doesn't matter if, you know, you do your 50 hours a week and five, 10 hour days. If you're still going to be reading text messages for three, four hours <laughs> while it'll, you know, it's go on a go to the aquarium or something like that, and walking around and get out of the aquarium, and it's like thirty missed text messages. Now I got to read through these, and sure. you know, and I actually it, know all about that. So it's it's stressful. Yeah. It is. It's really yeah. it's really stressful. Like you know, have you ever on your days off had an emergency come up from the store itself? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I actually wound up having to take a. Uh, one of my shift leads to urgent care. Um, he thought he needed stitches. I told him he'd be fine with super glue. And uh, <laughs> he didn't believe you, care, did he? Urgent care gave him super glue. Um, <laughs> but I physically drove him to urgent care. You know. Yeah. And uh, he just calls me and he's like, "Hey, I'm bleeding." It's like I'm on my way. You know. And it's at that point in time, you don't really think about it because. Mm-hmm. Um. Like I said, you know, I mean, they were good people, so it's it's not like it was hard for me to care about them, and you know, it wasn't like, oh man, now I gotta go drive for, you know, half an hour just so I can take somebody somewhere else and sit around and wait. Like I wasn't thinking about that. Sure. You know, you're thinking about your people. employee. Right. It was my buddy. You know, got to take care of him. So, okay, let's talk about employees for a second here. So. Let's talk about delivery drivers. How important, um, and for, for those of who have been listening to the show, they'll know that we had a delivery driver on two weeks ago. And, you know, he basically talked about what he does and, you know, the importance of what he does. And uh, 
how important are delivery drivers to your business model, you know, to the delivery takeout pizza place? Yeah, so delivery drivers, seriously, just the backbone of the business. Uh, without them, everything's going to fall apart. Honestly, if you can find a delivery driver that can help inside with you, um, you know, be it making food, bagging stuff up, somebody who's better than just standing around waiting for their food, getting in their car and leaving, uh, they're going to be one of the best employees that you've got. Okay. So, uh, speaking of delivery drivers, um, from a general manager's perspective, uh, we had, you know, discussed previously how different positions, just like we talked about yours, are compensated. How do you feel about how, the way in which, and the method in which delivery drivers are compensated? You know, they, they bring their own cars, they're paid tips, they, you know, they work for maybe a small hourly. Do you think that's, that's a fair way to compensate them? Do you feel like, you know, from your experience as a delivery driver and as a general manager, do you think that's fair or do you think there should be more of like a structured way that people get paid to do that job? Um, actually, the company that I'm currently at, I feel, does it very well. Um, because they offer a split wage. Um, when you're on the road, you make the tipped minimum wage, um, which is still pretty good number out here in Colorado right now. And then um, when you're in the shop, so as soon as you end your run on the computer and you say, I'm back in the store, you're making inside minimum wage as well. So okay. um, I feel that compensation alone makes up for the slower days. Okay. Um, and then as far as, you know, it's pretty standard for companies to give, you know, a dollar per delivery or, you know, what, whatever the method is. I've seen percentages on the subtotal. I've seen money per delivery. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've seen a bunch of different things. Um, that is one of those that's kind of a luck of the draw kind of thing, in my opinion, because mm -hmm. you're going to have times where it's, this delivery is seven miles each way. <laughs> and... And then that one dollar, you know, I mean, did it pay for the gas as long as you're not driving a Suburban? Yeah, probably. Um, but, you know, I mean, that, that that's kind of hit or miss. You're going to have times where you drive literally across the street and that's going to make up for the time that you go five to seven miles in one direction. So um, do you think that um, I'm just going to kind of move to, to where we're obviously going with this is, um, you know, do you think that delivery companies should be kind of like UPS or the post office providing standardized delivery vehicles that they just take care of themselves? Or do you feel like, you know, the, you know, these people come into this job understanding what it is and that it's not really a big deal. Um, I've seen, I've seen both aspects of it. Um, I've seen the people that come in and that are only looking for the 12 hours a week that are asking about company video vehicles. <laughs> and then, and then I've seen, you know, the 40 hour guy, um, you know, not worry about it. Sure. And I know for personally for myself, I, I didn't really think about it. I mean, you know, you're going to you get a little bit more maintenance to deal with on the car. Sure. Um, and hopefully that maintenance is all you got to deal with, but you know, right. So yeah, I mean that's but it, it is what it is, and uh, I feel it's part of it going into it. I, I don't know. It's the same <laughs> thing with with like the rising of things like Uber, DoorDash, mm -hmm. um, anything like that. It kind of shows that people are willing to use their own cars, um, and as you know, an employer, 
you you feel like there would be less people asking about a company car for their 12 hours. Sure. That's <laughs> what I mean. Well, I guess I, I always pictured it a little differently, more like you'd have like the, you know, like let's say you had a restaurant, like a pizza place, and it's called Ryan's Pizza, and I'd go buy 10, you know, Chevy whatevers or Honda Civics or whatever, and they'd all have my logo on there, and it'd be standardized, and that you just know that kind of like UPS, you wouldn't be giving them out, they'd be like, you come in, oh, you're taking car number one, you're taking car number two, you know, kind of like a, like a semi-truck fleet does. Um, Anyways, that's a whole other thing. Let's get back to you. So, how did you balance costs in your in your in your restaurant? You know, like you, you talked about your the, one of the biggest problems you had was your actual uh, labor costs. Um, but what about food costs and you know rent, utilities? What in that aspect did you have control over, and what did you do you have to worry about? Let's see here. Um, so, obviously, had control over. Uh you know, labor cost, food cost. Um, other than that, there were some, I guess we could call them like incidental kind of items. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, a new lid that fits properly for a grease trap. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there were certain things that, you know, were I was in charge of, but as far as marketing and, um, you know, rent utilities um those kinds of things those were completely out of my hands um i did have a marginal um somewhat of a relationship with uh the landlord and you know was able to talk to him but it was never about he wasn't sitting down to talk money with me sure you know what i mean yeah and uh you know as far as marketing is concerned Um, there were certain things that were implemented on a national level. Um, you know, all those coupons that come on tops of your box and, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. Um, they give it to us just to, you know, making sure everybody's using all the materials they're putting out there. Um, i.e. making sure that the marketing materials that corporate has used, it hasn't gone to waste Mm -hmm. because they spent money on it too. But then there were also things that I could do myself, um, big time giving out donations and stuff like that. Now that doesn't really cost the company anything at an initial level. Um, but as soon as you start getting into some of the bigger stuff, it will. Mm -hmm. So, um, we're kind of into like my favorite questions now. We're kind of into the, towards the end of the interview, we're kind of, you know, we got a really good idea of what you do. So I got to ask you what would happen in the world if there were no more general managers in restaurants that that one's a tough one um i mean whatever you know with the, the all the owners have to run it would there be no restaurants could there be no investment groups or what do you think well in my opinion uh if you get the owners to run it they're just going to become the general manager if you will sure and um well anybody who's worked in food service that's listening here um, knows that they've knows exactly the person I'm talking about when I say something about um, Val met that person says oh well I can run this place <laughs> you know what I mean I mean no, we all know that person no no yeah thank you yeah. for trying but no you cannot I, I remember one time when I was a delivery driver there was this insider and he's like how come they don't give me a chance at being a manager and my first thought is I know exactly why I'm not telling you um <laughs> 
<laughs> hate to sound like that, but sure. You know, and it's. I feel like it's not a difficult job, but I feel it needs to be done. Okay. And um, it. I don't know. I, I've also you know worked in. I worked in retail with um, no semblance of a management team, mm-hmm. and there is nothing good to say about that. <laughs> uh, so you think the structure is important, and the, yeah, I mean it's because uh, we had you know the last two interviews, uh, Bryn and Randall. Actually, you know, I asked them the next question, which is who's on your staff is indispensable, and they actually both said they're general managers. Like first, first off, out the gate, that the general manager is the most important person because without them delegating and setting it up and having their back, they couldn't be as successful as they are. And would you say that that was yeah. your experience as well? Um, in certain experiences with that, um, I, I've had good and bad GMs. Um, I've had people that were there that got your back every single time, every single day. And then uh, I've also had people that you won't see for weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it goes both ways. Okay. Uh, but that, I, I feel like, you know, that's, that's with any job. Okay. So, who on your staff, I already asked the question, who on your staff yeah. is irreplaceable, indispensable? Like, you know, you could say it's one person or a position. You know, like, who could you not live without? Uh, like I said earlier, um, you, you find those that right delivery driver that knows how to do everything for you inside, that knows exactly where to be and when to be doing it. Um, you know, those those kinds of people are completely indispensable. Um, it's just it's just hard to find that kind of person, in my opinion. And then I've also had, uh, you know, other people that had you know, with me, worked their way up from delivery drivers to my assistant. Um, one case in particular. And he was just, you know, he, he was just on it 100% of the time. Hmm. Uh, just, you, you just, you know the kind of person once you, once you get them a bit. I totally understand that. So, uh, you know, we're at the end of our interview, so I got to ask, um, so what are your next steps? Are you going to stay in the restaurant industry? Are you going to keep going? Are you going to move on in your life? What are you thinking? Where are you at right now? Um, personally, moving on. Um, however, I've got a few reasons for leaving that are, uh, well, a bit different. Um, I guess my, uh, my rise in particular in the restaurant inju- industry was a bit of a tumultuous one. <laughs> um, going from delivery driver having my car stolen on a delivery to you know slowly moving my way up to being a general manager after breaking my shoulder and not being able to make pizzas anymore um, wasn't exactly what I wanted but it's where I ended up sure. um, but that being said with that shoulder injury um, I've, I've got certain things that I'm just sort of unable to do anymore um, and that's just kind of a icing on the cake of feeling a little underappreciated and not really having enough time off. Sure. You know, certain things that we've touched on earlier. Well, but just so you know, I appreciate you and all of our listeners appreciate <laughs> you too. So there you go. At least well, for this moment today, you can feel very appreciated. Well, Mr. Jeff, Mr. Jeff Buck, thank you so much for being on 
the people behind your food. Uh, did you have fun? That was great. Good. So um, I just want to thank you again for being on the people behind your food. And uh, for those of you who are listening to this on Skype or Radio Public, on iTunes or on Google Play Music, you can also catch the latest episodes on ChefRyanCallahan.com. I've got all kinds of cooking information. And if you visit me on Instagram, at Chef underscore Ryan underscore Callahan. Let me tell you guys, I'm not hard to find. You just Google my name. I'm just pretty much everywhere. Uh, But you've already found me. So, hey, it's great. So, anyways, guys, uh, next week we'll have Chris Gall on, who is a... uh, He's an amateur, not an amateur chef, but he's a new chef. He just came out of culinary school, and I wanted to get a a fresh, less salty perspective after uh, after me and Jeff had our old old men salty moments here. And uh, so that's who we'll have next week. And again, this is Jeff Buck, and thank you so much for uh, joining us today, Jeff. And I will see you guys next week. 